Bethel World Outreach Church. Reaching a city to touch the world. Praise the Lord. Let's give God a great clap this morning. It's always great uh, to be in our home church for Kathy and I. Um, we're gone somewhere about 200 days out of the year. We were most recently in Africa for 17 days and um, had an incredible time training leaders in our larger Every Nation family. We have churches all over Africa, really in 81 countries in the world. And then I, we suffered for the gospel in Maui, Hawaii. Pray for us. <laughs> Deepest, darkest Maui. But anyway, humor aside, Africa's easier than Maui. We, pretty much, we see the water on the way to the meetings. But anyway, we had a good time. I know that probably didn't solicit a lot of prayer and sympathy. But anyway, uh, I was talking to Pastor James yesterday. And um, I said, Pastor James, how would you like me to preach um, next Sunday? He goes, well, how would you like to preach this Sunday? And the minute he said it, the message just dropped down into my spirit. And I came home, I said, do you think I should preach this Sunday? My wife said, God's already told me you should preach this Sunday. I just waited to see if he'd come to me first. So here I am. And I wish he'd have told me a few days earlier I had to call Pastor James, but that's okay. Um, so it's always just a privilege for us to be home. Here with Pastor James and Debbie and um, Pastor Rice and Jody, just our whole team here from, of course, the fiddlers to, I mean, I, I could just go on and on. It's just a blessing to be here. And we were going to be starting a brand new series next weekend called Reaching Our City. This is the prequel. We're starting the brand new series this week. How many remember when I spoke on the walls of Jericho some months? How many remember that? And we stood and we claimed our Jericho. The minute Pastor James asked me, I felt the talk about Jericho again, but the visit of Jesus to Jericho. I'm going to entitle this message, Reaching Our City. That's the name of the series. Part one, Jesus goes to Jericho. It says in Luke 19, 11, as they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed, the people, that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. What made them feel that way? What stirred their anticipation to that level? What stirred it is what happened in Jericho. Because even as Joshua came to the city of Jericho in the, in the book of Joshua, so Jesus visiting the last city before he died in Jerusalem, came to Jericho. In both cities, the walls came tumbling down. But when Jesus visited, the invisible walls came tumbling down, and that city was shaken. And this is the story. Let's pray. Lord, I'm just so thankful to be here with family today. I've had the privilege of being here and sitting here and speaking here for 25 years now. It's always a joy to be home. I bless this church as we celebrate our students, our campuses, 55,000 students, 
our, our love for Nashville, the greater Nashville area, middle Tennessee, the whole central part of the country. Help us, Lord. Amen. I want to share with you what it takes to reach a city today. If you wanted to influence your campus, if you wanted to reach a city, what might it look like? What might it take? And it's interesting as I take you through this story and we close with the parable, Jesus says, if you'll use the talents I've given you wisely, I'll give you authority in your city. So this parable we'll close with is all about what happened. Now, as we open our story, Jesus is drawing near to Jericho. He's right outside the city gates. He's going to meet a blind man, and Mark has him meeting the blind man after he leaves the city. Luke has it before. Some believe it's because at that time there was an older city of Jericho and a newer city of Jericho uh, built by Herod. So in some ways he was entering and leaving. Whatever be the case, he had a miracle healing around Jericho. Now, let me set this for you. He's going to enter Jericho. It's a great miracle. He is going to have a divine appointment with a man that will turn the city upside down. He'll leave Jericho and they'll go to Jerusalem where he'll die. He'll visit Bethany, a little village outside of Jerusalem. Why is this important? Because the very road Jesus will take from Jericho to Jerusalem is one of the most dangerous roads in the Holy Land at that time. In fact, it's the very road where he tells the story of the Good Samaritan, but in that story, they're coming from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's going from Jericho to Jerusalem, 20 miles uphill, very dangerous. As he drew near Jericho, and I'm in Luke, the book of Luke now, chapter 18, verse 35, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. Some of your scholars believe he's very close to Jericho now, and we know other than Damascus, Jericho to this day has been inhabited on the planet of the earth longer than any other city other than Damascus. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, that's a, that's a loud word. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, told him, shut up, be quiet, you're out of order, you're messing up the service. But he cried out all the more. How many of you are willing to disturb God when you need something? I mean, what does it take to get God's attention? How desperate are you for your child this morning? Your city this morning? Your family member this morning? Your campus this morning? But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy. Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. When he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? I wanna stop prophetically right now. Say there are a number of you in desperate situations. One of you is desperate for a touch on your child. Another of you is desperate in your business. And I hear Jesus stopping and saying, come to me right now. You're desperate. You came this morning and said, I just need Jesus to speak to me. Another of you just had a health report and you're so afraid. It's the same thing that's been in the female side of your family and your mother faced it. Now it's you. 
Another, you just had a grievous word over a loved one. And I hear Jesus stopping and saying, what do you need? What do you want from me? And if that's you and you're desperate, I'm gonna stop right here, put your hand up. You're desperate for the touch of Jesus. I just spoke about you. Stand to your feet right now. Stand up if your hand's up. Put your hands toward people standing up. Holy Spirit, meet them right now. Physical needs, business needs, needs with their children. I heard you say, what do you want me to do for you? Ask big. The blind man said, let me see. Ask big. You can be seated. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it gave praise to God. Let me say number one, when God releases his miracle power, when God releases a word of knowledge, what's that? Knowledge of something you have no, no knowledge of, but God tells you. When you reach out to that person. Last night I was in one of our, our great restaurants. We have, many of you have heard of Biscuit Love. He's opened a pizza place. I was down there. And that little way, he, he said, he said, he, said, you go see that man there. Ask him what he does for a living. He sent that little waitress up to me. I spoke to her by the word of knowledge. She broke into tears. When the supernatural power of God moves on your campus and your community, it opens people like nothing else. Whether it's a word of knowledge, whether it's a prayer under the unction of the Holy Spirit, whether it's just praying for a sick person, praying for an afflicted person, don't waste your moments. Don't waste your moments in that hospital. The Holy Spirit can make you so sensitive. So the first type of evangelism we find here is power evangelism, where God just demonstrates his power through you. Will you say, Pastor Jim, I don't have the gift of healing. Well, how many of you know you may not have the gift of healing, but you've got the healer living inside of you and he can do through you anything he wants anytime. Don't limit yourself to the gifts of the spirit you know you have because the spirit of God himself lives in you. So by the time Jesus gets into Jericho, there's a hubbub. The blind man has been healed. People are talking about it. Now it's interesting though, it's not a miracle that breaks open Jericho. It's not some just big massive miracle. The blind seeing, that's incredible. But it's an act of kindness. It's an act of love. It's an act any of us in this room are capable of that would shake that city to its core. Many of us, we think of evangelism. We think of the bishop. We think of Pastor Rice preaching all over the world. I think to myself, I think to myself, I sure can do that. I mean, I preach my best evangelic message. I just hope maybe one or two people will stand up. He tells a story, hundreds stand up. And what is profound about this passage is what breaks that city open is not the miracle. It's not even the great sermon Jesus is going to preach in the end. It's a simple act of kindness and love. 
that breaks that city. It's something anyone in this room is capable of. The story that's gonna, I'm going to unfold for you now could be you. It could be me. He entered Jericho and was passing through. You know what that means? He was in a hurry to get to Jerusalem. At that point, there was no sense in him that he was going to be stopping there. He knew his time was coming. How many of you just pass through places? You pass through your office. You pass through the store. You're always going somewhere. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. That meant he was not only the tax collector. When you study the scholars, he was probably in charge of the whole region. And in Israel at that time, in Judah at that time, the most despised people in the world were tax collectors. Why? They were working for the Roman government collecting taxes on their own people. They were hated. They were probably hated more than Samaritans. They were despised. They were hated. This would have been the single most despised man in the city, and he'd grown rich in his occupation. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. Do you realize there's people you've written off? People you don't even think would seek Jesus. They're seeking to see who he is. They've heard about him. They just want to get a glimpse of him. Maybe you've written them off because of their ethnicity. Maybe you've written them off because of their political persuasion. Maybe you've written them off because of their sexual choices. Maybe you've written them off, you just don't trust them. Maybe you don't like their record or how they've treated you or what they represent. But here is the last person anyone would have expected. And what did he want? He was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Some of your scholars believe because it was him, no one would let him to the front. He was so hated, the church, instead of being a door to Christ, was a block to Christ. Surely God couldn't touch him. Surely that's the one man that Jesus could not touch. No one in that city thought that this would be the man that Jesus touched. He was so desperate. Now you realize that crowd could have killed him. He was so desperate, he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. This is the most hated man in the city. The crowd won't let him close to Jesus. He's no good. He's a traitor to his people. He's corrupt. He's evil. You have to understand Roman occupied Judah at that time to realize the hatred they had for this man. He's so desperate to see Jesus. He runs. He sprints around the crowd. Climbs a tree. Climbs a tree. 
for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. What made Jesus look up? I think maybe people were pointing, who knows, or maybe Jesus just felt an unction of the spirit. Son, stop. Many times the spirit is leading you, but you're in such a hurry you don't recognize it. You've never learned to quiet your soul. Here is a man desperate for a glimpse. Jesus stops. I believe he felt an impression of the spirit. He felt to look up. And he looked up. And when Jesus came to the place of them and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Now you ask, where did he get the name Zacchaeus? Was it a word of knowledge? Did he just hear the crowd kind of screaming, that's Zacchaeus? We don't know. But this one thing we do know, Jesus looked up, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. That's a divine imperative. The Holy Spirit said, you're not going anywhere. You're going to this man's house. Going to the most despised man's house in the city. And, that, and when you start looking at the culture of the day, that means I'm going to come spend the day with you. I'm going to come into your house. Zacchaeus is stunned. Pharisees hate him. When you look at Luke 18 leading up, you have the story of the tax collector and the Pharisee, and the Pharisee says, I'm glad I ain't a tax collector. I know I'm righteous. The tax collector says, I'm not righteous. Have mercy. And Jesus says, what should be justified? So he hurried down and came down and received him joyfully. The most hated man in the city. That person in your campus you can't imagine being touched. That person in your office, your neighborhood. I'm, Jesus stopped dead in his track. Do you have a lot in his mind? Yeah, he was going to be crucified. It was not an easy time. He was on his way to be brutally murdered. Stopped him. He looked up and the father said, you're spending the day with him. There was no miracle. Didn't heal the man. He went to his home. Just had a meal with him. Just reached out. Just invited him. Now watch this. And when they saw it, the crowd, they all grumbled. He's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Whole crowd. How could he go to his home? How could he invite him? How could he sit next to him? How could he do this? This man has betrayed our ethnicity. This is a traitor to his people. This man is no good. He's run a corrupt business. He's made his money off our Jesus cared about it, none of it. The father said, you must have lunch with him today. You know what this is called? Presence evangelism. Just being lovingly present in the life of a person. Just reaching out. Just an act of kindness. 
For me, it could be handing someone a $20 bill in the airport and say, I want you to have this as a tip today. Keep it, be blessed. A quiet prayer. Just reaching out, knowing, just being present, bringing the presence of Christ into the life of a person is more powerful than you can ever imagine. And then we do know what happened. Now, what happened in that house? I'm sure Jesus proclaimed the gospel to him because I can tell you we're getting ready to come into what I'm going to call philanthropic evangelism, which means giving matters. Giving. Yes, I pay tithe. Tithe to Kathy like entry level. We give far beyond our tithe every year. Far beyond it. In fact, a lot of it we can't even take off our taxes. It's thousands we've given to individuals over the years. Now, beloved, listen to me. Whatever happened in that house produced this. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. How many of you that's fairly serious? Remember the rich young ruler who thought he was righteous? Jesus said, if you want to follow me, sell all and give it away. He said, no, thank you. One act of kindness, one meal, one lunch. Now, I'm sure Jesus spoke by the Spirit to him, evangelized, shared the gospel. But whatever happened, it was astonishing. This man stood and said, he's very rich. I'm giving half my fortune to the poor. And if I've cheated you, come and see me. I'll pay you back 400%. In a moment, the playing field of that city was leveled. In a moment, the impoverished had hope. And that is why they said, the kingdom of God must be coming immediately. If a man like that can be touched, if there's that type of giving, and beloved, I, give, I love the tithe of my local church. I love to give. I love to sow into the kingdom of God because we have the power not just to change the world with our lives, not just to change the world with our gifts, to change the world with our finances. We've got the power to do that. Now watch that. Then, verse 9, and Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. That's proclamation evangelism. What's it take to reach the city? Power evangelism. The Holy Spirit moving through you in one of the gifts of the Spirit. Presence evangelism. Reaching out, acts of kindness, visiting people, having them to your home, loving on them, caring for them, inviting them places. I may not be evangelist Rise Brooks, but even I can do that. Even I can reach out.
even I can love. Philanthropic evangelism, caring for the poor, caring for the needy, reaching out to the stranger in the land, giving. That's why we have, that's why we have life centers. That's why we're reaching out to areas in our city. Proclamation evangelism, simply proclaiming the power of the gospel. I can tell you, I appreciate presence evangelism, which is basically the melody of the gospel, but they got to have some lyrics to get saved. Many people say, well, I believe in social justice. I do too, but I'll tell you this. If a human is not redeemed, it's hard to lift them out of their mire permanently. I believe in social justice. Kathy, I've given thousands to it. I believe it. But social justice, apart from the gospel, makes it very difficult to truly lift someone out of a quagmire and keep them there. Kathy and I have fought against human trafficking. One of our daughters led a massive initiative. We've got kids in some of the most dangerous parts of the world. We've been with Syrian refugees. Listen, I get it. I get it. But when a human is redeemed by Christ, it becomes second nature to see them lifted out of the quagmire of their pain. I close with this parable. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. Why? That city was so affected. That city was so touched. They're thinking, man, this is it. The kingdom of God is coming. Begins to tell this very complex parable, but to save time, I'm going to basically go to 16. And basically it tells the story of a, a great king and he's giving his servants minas. He's giving them money. He's giving them a treasure. And he comes back. The first came before him and said, Lord, your mina has made 10 minas more. Now, what does the mina represent for us? It represents three things. It represents your time and how you use it. Your talent, your natural and supernatural gifts, how you invest them, and your treasure, your money. Jesus, I've given you time, it's finite here on the earth. Two, I've given you a talent naturally and when you were born into the kingdom with a supernatural gift and I've given you money. And the day is going to come where I will hold you to account. We've had our accountant come. There will be an accounting for all of us and Jesus will say, what did you do with your time? What did you do with your talent? What did you do with your treasure? And we got a real, he smiled, but they're tough on, that CPA from tough. But that's nothing compared to Jesus holding you accountable. First man said, well listen, he said, you gave me one, I made 10, he said, because you've invested wisely, you now have authority in 10 cities. Isn't that interesting? Because you invested your time, your talent, your treasure, you've got influence in 10. Next one saying, you gave me one, I made five. He said, you now have influence in five cities. The third came, well, I never really invested my time in my church and never really invested my time in my city, never really invested my treasure in my city, never really used my gifts. I was pretty busy. I came from time to time. He said, and the reason I didn't is I know you really didn't need it. 
You can reap where you don't sow. You're powerful. You're kind of hard to work for. Oh, I really didn't do it. It wasn't going to matter. You're sovereign. If you wanted the world change, you're going to change it without me. We won't talk about their end. But let me say this. What does it take to influence this city? What's it take? Rice being at his best, Pastor Rice, that's wonderful. James and Debbie being great, Bruce and Carol being great. I mean, we just go on. Yeah, that's all great. But that ain't going to change this city. Yes, it takes power evangelism. Yes, it takes presence evangelism, which all of us can do. Being present, inviting people, loving people, caring for people, learning to share our faith as open their heart. It takes philanthropic evangelism when we give. And yes, it takes proclamation evangelism. But let's just boil it right down. If we all will invest our time, our talents, natural and supernatural, and our treasure and our money into our local church and into this city, Jesus said, if you do that, I'll give you influence there. I'll give you influence there. I'll give you influence there. What Pastor James and Debbie do is important, but if you think they can do it all, you've missed everything. Their ultimate job is not to do it, it's to equip you and I to do it. Yes, I can prophesy and I can preach. I'm not a great evangelist, but I can give and I can love people and I can use my gifts and I can invest them. Jesus goes to Jericho, healed a blind man. He was in a hurry that day on the way to Jerusalem and died. Pow! The Holy Spirit slowed him down. The crowd had cut off the one man most hungry for Jesus. Stopped, looked up. Yes, Father, go to lunch with him. One lunch transformed a city. You see today, Pastor, I want to invest my time, my talent, my treasure in reaching this city. Put your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. Pastor James, join me up here, please. Holy Spirit, I thank you for this great church. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for the privilege of reaching the greater Nashville world, our Jericho. Whether it's through power evangelism or being present in love or giving, Father, or whether it's proclaiming, we take our responsibility seriously for these campuses, for this city. May we not live as if we're just passing through. May we not live so hurried and harried that we walk right by the Zacchaeuses in our neighborhoods, campuses, companies, businesses. Help us, we pray, to have influence 
to reach our city. Let's give God praise for that word. It was, you can stand to your feet. Ministry team, you can come down. You know, I believe that was the altar moment, but it doesn't mean if you, you might need prayer for some other things. Uh, you might need to get in relationship, get saved, get filled with the Spirit. You might need deliverance or healing. The ministry team, they pray for you for those things or they help you get plugged in or connected or get tools. So when you see these ministers in the front, they're here to meet your individual specific needs. I just want to let you know, that was a powerful message. I think you should, we should review it as a church. Uh, it was powerful because it wasn't just like information. It's, you can find yourself in one of those things through power, evangelism, philanthropic, or just proclaiming the gospel. So I pray that we would do the simple things that Jesus did. Go out and have a meal with somebody. A meal produced something in the city. The law of kindness. Reduce your evangelistic assignment down to something very simple. Don't do something grand and outside of your strength. Do something simple. You're going to eat every day, several times a day. Every time you eat, maybe say a prayer. Lord, who could I eat with today that could hear something about you that can change it? If you've watched this message and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I've got good news. You can do it right now. I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life for the rest of my life. I acknowledge I am a sinner. I need you, my Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you were raised from the dead on the third day. And I confess that you are now Lord of my life. If you've just prayed that prayer, I have good news for you. You have eternal life. The next step for you is to get in a Bible-believing church. We volunteer to be that church. But if not us, we pray God's blessings on you as you search for God's best for you. Thank you. Bethel World Outreach Church. Reaching a city to touch the world.